And I was like, hey, man, that's awesome. And then this time, so I was like, First John, let's talk about some love. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. He was like, but this time, actually, we're going to be in Job 3, and that's where I want you. And I don't know if, how familiar y'all are with Job 3. It's titled Job's Lament. So uh, that's where we're at this morning. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be good, but it was definitely very different than what I would have normally preached. And, but it, it's, a, it's been a really cool week just being able to dive into something that honestly I felt very inadequate being able to preach through something like this because of like God has not taken me through a ton of loss in my life. And I thank him for that, but also preaching on a lament, preaching on something like this is just very different when you haven't technically gone through some of these things. And so I want to come to I want to come to this morning just from a point of just humility and just come to a point that there are going to be things that I don't understand. There's going to be things about this that we all don't understand. Even though we've all been through some hurt, we've all been through some pain, I mean, suffering on this level is just wholly different. And so, uh, as I was reading through this, I wanted to start with a couple of words, not from Job, but from the wisest man that ever lived in King Solomon. And so, if you would stand to your feet, we want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says this, When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night does do once I see sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know it, he cannot find out. Y'all can be seated. And I, those words really spoke to me a lot this week, because King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. God had blessed him with wisdom beyond any measure, beyond anybody else. And so he, he applies his life to understanding the waves of the world. He applies his life to, to finding purpose, to finding truth, to finding all of these things, and he, and he does a pretty good job. Like, he goes all in to every, every avenue he possibly can, and when he comes out of it, what he says is he's like, there's going to be things that we don't know. There's going to be things that we don't understand, and the way that God's work, it, it just doesn't comprehend with us because his ways are higher than ours. His ways are greater than ours, and no matter how much you look and however wise man may say, oh yeah, this is exactly why, there's things we're just not going to understand. And that's part of the faith that we have in our God. And so that's where I want to come to this morning. That's where I want to come from this place of humility of just saying, we're not going to understand all of this, especially as we go through and we look at some of the suffering that Job is going through. And we come at Job from a very unique perspective. We're like the gallery looking in. We got to see the conversation that God and Satan had. We got to see the conversation behind the scenes look, and Job didn't get any of that. As Job is going through this, he's going to be questioning why. He's going to be angry because he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what's happening. And sometimes it's kind of easy for us to be looking in on Job saying, all right, Job, come on, pep up. But yet, when we're struggling, when we're going through things, we don't understand. We get angry. We go through all of the emotions that we're going to see in Job this morning. And so I want to come to this from a point of humility and just understanding that it's really hard to understand. Especially when we're talking about pain and grief and loss. 
But when we focus on God, things become a little bit easier. And so this morning, uh, I want to kind of talk, we're, like I said, we're going to be in Job chapter 3, but there's something I want to make very clear, because in Job chapters 1 and 2, we see Job as this kind of like almost a superhero. Like everything that happens to him, and he's just worshiping God. Everything bad that could possibly happen, he just worships God through it. And it's almost like this kind of superhero of the faith, this rock-solid God that cannot be shaken But as we get to chapter 3, there is this massive change. And we start to see the humanity of Job. We start to see the emotional side of Job. We start to see that it's not just, all right, God, you got it. It, It's anger. It's questioning. It's all of these things that we go through when we experience the hurt as well. And so the mindset of Job, going back to chapter 1 and verse 1, we start to see who Job is. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Now, I don't know about y'all, but the Bible is not always the best descriptions, okay? Like Rahab is the prime example for that. Sometimes you can do everything right, and the Bible remembers you in a pretty terrible light. All right, but this is a fantastic way for Job to be described, for Job to be remembered, for Job to be a man of God. We know that this is a man of God, like so much so that even when he thinks there could be something else going on, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and turn to God. For instance, in in verse 5, says, and when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would sin and consecrate them, being his sons and daughters. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number for all of them. For it said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So what would happen is all of the children would get together on the birthday. Birthdays were huge to this family. And they would feast, and it said it would last for days. And afterwards, Job would rise up early, and he was like, just in case... Like, I don't know that they've sinned, they're good kids and all, but just in case, I want to cover them with prayer. I want to cover them with sacrifice. I want to cover them. I want to consecrate them. I want to give them back to the Lord, and I want to make sure that the Lord is the most important. Now, this was not a preacher. This was not a pastor. This was a businessman, and business was very, very good. He was the wealthiest man in all of the land. He had this amazing business with all these animals, and he did everything, and God was blessing him because he was a man of God, and God was with him. But then we come to the part of the story that we don't understand, or Job doesn't understand. We get to see, again, behind the curtain. We get to see this conversation between God and Satan. We get to see that that God is like, hey, this guy gets it. And Satan's like, no, he doesn't. He just, you just... You just blessed him, and so that's why he likes you. And so God says, all right, we'll take it away. And in 1 verse 20, we see Job's reaction. When after he's lost his, his business, he's lost all his animals, he's lost his servants, he's lost his children. A loss that, again, I cannot fathom. A lot of us in here have been through crazy pain that I cannot fathom, and that's right where Job was. And he says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know that that would be my first reaction. But that was. That was his first reaction. He says, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Again, we get this kind of like superhero mentality. Like nothing's going to shake this guy. Nothing's going to shake it. And so Satan and God, they get together again, and Satan's like, nope, he's still healthy. Let me take that from him. 
And so, again, and so when this happens, Job's wife is even coming in, and she's like, just curse God and die. Wouldn't that be easier? Like, just, just give it up. And But it, Job's reply to her in 2.10, it says, But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Again, we have this kind of like stoic, nothing's going to shake me kind of guy. But as we get into chapter 3, there is a massive change. You see, Job's three friends, they show up, and they, they, they sit with him, and they've come to, kind of t- to try and comfort him. And the rest of Job after chapter 3 are these sets of monologues and dialogues with these three friends and then with God. And it's a beautiful book of, of Job trying to get through in this pain that he's, that he's in. But through chapters 1 and 2, Job, everything he did centered on God. Everything was God-centered. But as we get to chapter 3, that's going to shift, and God is no longer going to be at the center, and we're going to start to see some of the humanity of Job. And so it says in 2.13, this is the last verse of chapter 2, it says, And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. No one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. And as I was going through this week and I was reading that, I was like, seven days, that is a long time to sit in silence. Like, have you ever gone to, like, dinner or lunch with somebody that was kind of new, and there was an awkward silence, and it lasted, like, ten seconds, but it felt like an eternity? Like, these guys sat on the ground for seven days, and I can just picture, like, Job's wife, and she's just doing around, going around, cleaning, doing all the things, trying to stay busy, and every time she just looks outside, she's just like, ah, oh, still? Like, I picture my wife just being like, there's no way she's letting me sit there for seven days. There's just not. You need to get up. You need to be doing. You need to be going. And that's, and, and, and that's exactly what I would need. But Job and his friends, they sat in this for seven days. And in that seven days, there was a mindset shift where Job no longer centered on God, but he centered on the pain. And when we take God out of the center, when we take God out of the center of our lives, things start to radically shift, and they shift very quickly. And so rather than Job worshiping God at this point, when he centers on his pain and when he starts to dwell on that pain, we see this shift in Job chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, after this, after seven days, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Job says, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God not above not seek it nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. These are not, like this is not a man that's like, thank you God. This is a man that is cursing the day of his birth. And remember, birthdays were a very big deal to this family. And he said, no, curse the day I was born. Going on in verse 6, says, that night let the thick darkness seize it. Do, let, let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let the night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of, of its dawn be dark. Let it not hope for light, but have none nor the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my, mo- of my mother's womb. He is cursing and cursing and cursing the day he was born. 
Because when we dwell on our pain, we start to lose sight of the good. We start to lose sight of God. We start to lose sight. And the worst thing he could curse it with, he was like, just curse it with darkness. Curse it with darkness. Let that day no longer be a day. Let it be night. Because God is light. And the, the, the worst thing that Job could come up with to curse this was that it should be darkness. Look at John 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Talking about God. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him no darkness at all. Job was cursing the day he was born to stay in darkness. Let God not be upon that day. But God, we know, was there. Because God is good even when we're in the pain. But when we, when we take our focus off of God, all we see is pain. But when we put our focus on God, we worship. Job chapters 1 and 2, he worshiped as he dwelt on God. But as he dwelt on the pain, he lost sight of God. He was praying for the darkness. He was praying that God would cover him in this darkness so that he would not have to see it. But he didn't end there. He kept on going. He didn't just curse his birthday. Now he starts asking him questions. And this is very similar for any of us that have been through a hard time. First there's anger and then there's questions. Why, God? Why? And he, he asks these same questions. He says, why did I not die at birth? Come out of the womb and expire. Why did the knees receive me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have laid down and been quiet. I would have slept and would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold and filled their houses with silver. Why was I not as a hidden stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There, was, there the wicked cease from troubling and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there. The slave is free from his master. He's, he's accounting. He's like, God, if I had just died, I would have had rest. The powerful, the weak, those that, that live their full lives are those that are stillborn. He's like, they are at rest. Job was focused so much on the pain that he, he, he didn't see a way for him to rest. This side of the grave. He was like, the only way I'd ever find rest is if I was dead. He had completely lost sight of the goodness of God, of the fact that when we come to God, He gives us rest. Exodus in 33, Moses is, is calling out to God, and God has said, hey, look, I'm going to open up the promised land for you, but I'm not going because you stiff-necked people, like I'm going I'm to wipe you out if I end up going with you. But in 33, Moses has pleaded with God. He's like, I don't want your, your blessings without your presence. I, you've got to be with us. And, and God assures him, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I could go on and on. In, in Jeremiah 31, 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul will replenish. Isaiah in chapter 40, Matthew in chapter 11, come to me who are weary. We could go on and on. And that when we go to God, we find rest. But when we take God out of the center and we start to dwell on our pain, we lose sight of God and we lose sight on that rest. But when we have God at the center, 
when we have God and we're dwelling on Him and not the pain, He gives us rest. He gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And please hear me from a point of humility that again, I've not had to deal with loss the likes of this. But what I do know is that the Scriptures are very clear that our God is greater than these loss. Our God is greater than the grief and He can give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. He can give you rest. Job could not see a possibility of rest. And God is, is with him and He says, come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. God is, 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 is here and we know that. And Job was a man of God. Don't miss that in verse 1. That's why Job starts that way. He is a man of God. He knows that God is good. He knows that God is worthy to be worshipped. He knows that God needs to be at the center. But at this point, he is dwelling so much on the pain of the loss and the grief that he's lost sight of it. He's taking God out of the center and he's putting his grief there. He goes on in this lament, verse 20. He says, Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul who long for death but it comes not and dig for it more than hidden treasures who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sign comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Job is praying for darkness to cover him. He's like, I don't want to have to see the ruin. I don't want to have to see what's going on around me. God, I don't want to have to see the loss. I don't want to have to see the pain. I don't want everybody else to see my pain. Nobody in here likes for people to see when they're hurting. No one in here likes people to see when they're crying. No one in here. We, we like to be alone for those kinds of things, and that's exactly where Job was. But he says, you've hedged me in, and you're shining a spotlight on me. He's like, I just pray for the darkness to cover up all of this. Because he's saying right now, all I can see is the pain. And I don't want to see that. All I can see is the hurt. And I don't want to see that. All I can see is this, what's going on right in front of me. And I don't know why this is happening. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us in here have have asked those same questions. God, I don't know why. And this is all I can focus on. The rest of this book, again, it's just dialogues of Moses and his three friends. And they're trying to figure out why. They're trying to figure out why would God do something like this. And they don't have the insight that we do. They don't know that thousands of years later, Job's story is a beacon of hope. That Job would be used in a mighty way for generations and generations to come. That that we could read this story today. And say God is greater than the grief that he was going through. Because we know that when we dwell on God, we worship through the pain. But when we dwell on the pain, we lose sight of God. And we lose the rest. And we lose the comfort. And we lose all of the goodness that God has to offer us. 
when Job was focusing on the pain, he couldn't see the goodness that was there. And so as I was, I was preparing for, for, for this, and I was, I was going through this, and again, that, that kind of like feeling of inadequacy kept popping up. And I was like, I don't know how to, how to deal with this. And so uh, I started looking at different things, and this guy's name just kept coming to mind. His name is Stephen Curtis Chapman. A lot of you are probably familiar with him. He's the most awarded Christian artist of all time. Okay, if you didn't know, I didn't know that either. He's been around for a long time. He's been doing it. He's got a bunch of Grammys and Dove Awards and everything else. And so he's gone through all of this stuff, but 14 years ago, he dealt with a tragedy. I don't know how I would ever be able to understand it. 14 years ago in May, uh, they were celebrating. They had the whole family over. Their oldest daughter was getting engaged. And so they had this big party, and everybody was there. And they were celebrating, and then there was kind of like a, 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 that party was ending, and then that night there was a graduation party. So they had family and friends and all these people in town. And so his oldest son, Will, went to move one of the cars. And everybody was outside, and everybody was playing. And their youngest daughter, Maria, who they adopted from China, was killed. He, had, he couldn't see her, and he ran her over. So on a day that was marked by such a high, with graduations and engagements, his son had inadvertently and completely on accident killed his daughter. A day that is just complete tragedy. And so he's, Stephen Curtis Chapman, again, he's, he's, a, he's a music writer and he writes these songs and he, and he just released one very recently, some 14 years later. And it's called Don't Lose Heart. And I want to read you some of the lyrics from this song. It says, Another sleepless night, praying hope comes with the morning light. Right now you're feeling like you've lost this fight, and fear is screaming out your name. These are the same emotions that Job was going through. That he couldn't find rest. That he wanted the darkness. That he wanted all of these things. And he, and he goes on, he says, When you say, God, help me, you're wondering if he's even listening. Truth is, I've wondered the very same thing, so you don't have to feel ashamed. Let me walk with you through this valley and tell you that I've learned to be true. Don't lose heart. Don't you dare let go. I've been where you are. You are not alone. I know it gets dark. I know it gets hard. But you're going to make it home, so don't lose heart. Fourteen years. Time hasn't healed the wounds. But 14 years dwelling on God to get him through the pain. And it's very clearly still some pain there. But when we focus and dwell on God, he gets us through that pain. And, I, and please hear me. When we dwell on our pain, we lose sight of God and we lose sight of the goodness and we lose the rest and we lose the hope and we lose all of the things that come when we fix our eyes on God. There's this quote and it, and it says, when we can't understand His purposes, focus on His character. God's been God for a long time. And we know that He is good. 
and we know that he is a God that is for his glory, and he has an incredible purpose, one that Job would never realize. Job had no way of knowing how his story would be used, but God had a purpose and a plan. So if you're right there with him, questioning, there's no way. I don't, know, I don't understand, God, how you could ever use this for anything good. Focus on God, and he will give you the peace and the rest. Because when we focus on the pain, it gets dark. And we feel alone. And so I would encourage you this week, as you're going through this hurt, and as you're going through this pain, dwell on God now. So that when those painful times come, when those painful moments happen, when those, those questions that pop up in the back of your head, why God, why God? That we know who our God is because we've been with Him and we walk with Him and we go with Him and He goes before us and behind us and beside us and around us and there's nothing that could ever separate us from His love. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank You this morning. God, I just want to thank you for your goodness. And God, when it's hard to see, God, we can come to these stories and we can come to these people's lives and we can see you reflected in it, even when they couldn't see it. God, that we know that you are greater than the hurt, that you are greater than the suffering, and we just come to you humble, God, that you would see us through it. God, I just pray that you would give us each the strength to see you through the darkness. Because you are light and the darkness has not overcome it. God, I thank you for the story of Job. I thank you that that we can come thousands of years later and learn from this man's life. Because you had a plan and a purpose that was so much greater than he could ever understand. God, I thank you for each and every person in here. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.